All right, this is it, 100.3, the third episode. Uh, oh, yeah, again, the burps are back for episode 100 of Three Things with JR. And uh, all three episodes just dropped this week. If you're listening to this one, you've probably listened to the first two. And uh, the way we're celebrating 100 episodes is for me to talk to all three of my lead singers. Bobby Sims was in episode one, lead singer of Ice House Road, talking about music and life and bipolar disorder and all of that. Uh, episode two was Tony LaRocco from Pale Blue Dot. I was a founding member of Pale Blue Dot, uh, the first of 16 total members of that band. Uh, and that band is still growing strong and uh, making new music. And Tony's got opinions on music. So uh, that was a lot of fun talking to him. Today, I'll be talking with Gary Hawthorne, the lead singer of To Be Fair, uh, which is the band I'm in currently. And as you will hear, we haven't been doing much. We recorded a couple songs a couple months ago, and uh, we are in the process of finishing up uh, the mixing and mastering and all of that on those songs. And I'm very much looking forward to them uh, getting released, getting out there so that you can hear them because they're pretty great songs. Uh, I love them. Uh, love will find a way and transparent. And Gary and I talk about, uh, how these songs came to be as well as, uh, a bunch of other stuff. I learned today, uh, while talking to Gary that he, uh, went to college for, uh, thespianism. He was in plays and musicals and stuff. I had no idea. This guy is quite a Renaissance man. He's incredibly smart, incredibly talented. Uh, I consider him one of my close personal friends, and uh, and we have not gotten together to play music in about two months, and it kind of sucks, so hopefully that'll happen soon. Uh, but we did get a chance to chat today, uh, thanks to the magic of Facebook Messenger. Um, so, uh, so that's what's coming up here in just a minute. I do want to tell you that uh, thank you guys for listening. Everybody that does that 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 actually does listen to this show every week. Uh, there's not a ton of you out there. Please uh, tell your friends about it. Uh, there's a hundred episodes they can go back and listen to uh, to the show for you know. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to listen to. So uh, get them get them get them going. Get this uh, help me grow this audience a little bit. That would be cool. Uh, and, uh, also get your tickets to kinky boots. Uh, we are, uh, in the last, uh, we, we have less than a month left of re of rehearsals and this show is coming along quite well. I'm extremely excited about it. There's a pretty good chance. I'm going to have two free tickets to kinky boots available for giveaway to some lucky listener of this show. So be, uh, be ready for that. Uh, hopefully when that is all solidified in the next couple of weeks, I will be able to announce that and give away some Kinky Boots uh, tickets because the tickets are going fast. They are selling. Uh, the hundreds and hundreds of tickets have been sold. There's only six performances, and the theater is not huge. So, uh, And there's already been, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, they told me they had already sold 300 tickets. So uh, we're moving right along. This thing is uh, you're going to want some tickets to Kinky Boots. Uh, and it is going to be quite the show. So, uh, so there you go. That's what we're doing. Uh, this is three things with Jr. Episode one hundred dot three, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk to Gary Hawthorne right on the other side of this commercial break. Nothing I can say. Later today. 
Hey, man. There you are. Yeah, I don't have the cool uh, microphone, but I built myself a little baffle so I wouldn't sound like I'm in a cave. Sweet. <laughs> I have uh, I've not I've not done any sound treatment to this room that I record in whatsoever. It is a very large, high ceilinged bedroom, uh, and I've tried different microphones, and that made a huge difference. Oh yeah, the more directional, the better. But I'm just going through my my iPhone, so. <clears throat> How's the sound? Oh, sound you, you sound loud and clear. Cool. You're going to be the best sounding of the three people that I have as guests on the show celebrating 100 episodes of Three Things with JR. Well, that's the fucking idea. <laughs> uh, one of them won't sound as good, and that's my fault because uh, I went to um, I went to Bobby Sims' house. Uh -huh. and uh, brought a portable recorder with me, this fancy one here that I got from work. Oh, your new fancy thing, yeah. Yeah. This Ooh, thing, yeah. Yeah, right? Uh, I was going to bring this to band practice last time, and then we didn't have it, so right. I'm uh, eagerly looking forward to recording the band with this thing. But uh, it picks up all the noise, including the in-room <laughs> air conditioner that oh, uh, is in the room. So, uh, yeah, you're going to hear that. <clears throat> on the Bobby Sims episode. Uh, and then I was talking to Tony LaRocco, uh, but he was uh, on his phone in his car driving. So, <laughs> so his connection uh, every now and then it would, uh, it would fizzle out, but it came right back. So his audio won't be the best, but so yours will be superior, far superior to all the other two guests to save the best Sweet. sound quality for last. Sweet. <laughs> Uh, so the the whole idea here is uh, for uh, for the 100th episode. I, I I kept racking my brain to try to figure out how to celebrate this and how to do something a little special and out of the ordinary for 100 episodes of the show. And it just sort of hit me. Uh, I had this recording of Bobby that I did like two months ago, and then Tony Larocco reached out because Pale Blue Dot is playing Fridays After Five in two weeks. Oh, yeah. And he right. wanted to promote it, you know, on this juggernaut promotional v uh, vehicle that is promotional three things with juggernaut, JR. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, but that's the thing. I mean, it could become that. I mean, it, it's, you know, that was, uh, that was definitely pinging around in my brain. It's like, man, you should be able to get anybody that's playing in, in, you know, in town or anywhere and for them to plug it. Cause that's, you know, every podcast you ever, here it's somebody plugging something you know yeah it's become the new late night talk show right that's the only reason exactly. anybody ever yeah. goes on carson or leno or letterman oh yeah because they're, they're actually forced to their their right. movie studio or record company says oh by the way yeah there's uh, a promotional tour in your contract you will yes. be promoting this new movie this new tv show whatever it is yeah um have you ever heard uh smartless yes yeah it's one of the number yeah. one podcasts like interview i know i had no I, I i was an early early adopter of it and uh and it but that's it that's you know nobody nobody even is anywhere near it unless they got something to promote <laughs> it's like because they're doing it for free baby uh, although uh you know you know how they you know how they celebrated their 100th episode did, oh, you, yeah. did you hear the guest they had on I'm trying to remember. He came on with nothing to promote. I mean, he's working on something, but it's not ready to be promoted yet. 
Yeah, I re- oh god, who was it? I remember who I remember hearing it because Bradley it was, Cooper. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Cuz I remember it because it was they made a big deal out of it that he didn't have anything to promote. Right. And that he couldn't say anything about the thing that he was working on because that would be just terrible. And probably lose a lot of money from the non-disclosure clauses. You know, Bradley Cooper's uh, you know, who who would have who would have pictured that he turned into the I mean, artiste that he has become, right? I mean, I just thought he was just a, oh, no shit. a goofy movie actor, right? From like The Hangover, and then all of a sudden it turns out he's writing and directing and learning how to play guitar and sing and right like he played the elephant man on broadway like he and he took it (laughs) super seriously like he was he was a guest on howard stern uh, as he was prepping for that role of elephant man on broadway and howard stern has always sort of had you know a little fun he's got a he makes fun of the voice of the elephant man and he's always done that on his shows he could not get bradley cooper to in any way shape or form make light of it at all uh, to have any fun with it. So, I mean, he was, he's taking his art, his craft very seriously. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, and it's paying off too. I mean, geez, he's, I mean, and, and that's the, that's the fun that the, what was on there. It was on there last week with Jack Black and as hilarious and everything it is, he is, he's dead serious about the craft, you know, the, yeah the acting and the music you know it's like yeah the you know this is everything we do is tongue-in-cheek it's all satire and everything but we are dead serious about it this is not a joke and uh and that was that you know i i love that show because you get these weird you you know the juxtaposition of famous people who you kind of see you know that famous side of them but now they're just they're with their peers and they're just you know, shitting around, and they've all worked together at some point. You know, everybody, because yep. those those are three powerhouse dudes, and they just they give each other crap endlessly, and it's just hilarious. I just I love it. Yeah, half the <clears throat> half the time they ignore whoever they have on the show so that they can give each other shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's especially, and the more famous the person is, really the. the like the more they'll just ignore them at times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've, I'm I'm totally addicted to Hit Parade now. Hit Parade. That's a that's a podcast I haven't heard of yet. Oh God, you ought to you ought to try it out. It's on Slate, <clears throat> and uh, it's the guy that writes. Um, what's his the his he has a column. He sounds like the nerdiest dude that's ever sat behind a microphone i mean seriously but oh my god does his nerdiness pay off because he comes up with you know alex cross is great and he comes up with these tidbits more social tidbits but this guy gets data like nobody's business and we can just pull these things out and i'm like holy crap i had no idea you know and uh, he's always he's always basing it on the Billboard charts. Every you know that's his thing. Is the hit rate is anything in the top forty on, on Casey Kasem or now uh, Ryan Seacrest? So is he talking about like top forty stuff from years ago? Is he focused on pop stuff? Like what is? His, oh, what like is if he'll band? take like like he'll take something that's going on right now, and then 
in order to explain what's happening now, he goes back to when it first happened and the anomalies that have that brought us to here. Like the one I just listened to, it was called the ACDC rule. And it's uh, where wherein they had their first really huge album, but it never charted because it was a, you know, rock album and no one knew who they were but people kept buying it and they kept buying it and and right now it's it's like 17 million or 17 times platinum uh it, but it never it never even charted and uh the next album which sold way fewer charted at number one number two or number one uh on the album simply because the people loved the first album so much is the and, are the charts based on like radio plays and things like that? It's it's based on in in the U.S. and he, he makes this distinction a lot. In the U.S., it's based on radio plays and retail sales. Now, the Hot 100 is based on retail sales of singles, which doesn't exist anymore. Right. Uh, and then the album charts are based on album sales, which doesn't exist anymore. Well, actually, still exists a little bit. So they've also brought in streaming. And YouTube. YouTube plays, right, yeah. So, but also TikToks. It's the same, <laughs> all the things. So, you know, anything that, and it's, you, you know, it's just with anything, it has to be a minimum of 30 seconds of the of the song for it to count. And that's why we're getting these, you know, ridiculous uh, chart hoppers now because uh, somebody takes it viral and it, go, and it gets played literally a billion times because a half a million people put it on their TikTok, and and even if only two people look at that specific TikTok, that's another million hits mm. <laughs> yeah yeah it counts for something yeah. in the charts now yes it yeah. does and that and that's fascinating because especially especially when he goes through the all the shifts the they've constantly tweaked their formula sometimes it seems uh purposefully to help a certain artist or something like that like a couple things really helped out the beatles but then it helped out uh donna summer you know and that he he wraps all these things together and that's what makes mm. it so so interesting and um y'all definitely ought to check that out Speaking of TikTok, when do we does to be fair need a TikTok TikTok channel? And if so, what would we do with it? <laughs> I have begged Izzy to uh, to help us on that, and she has no interest whatsoever. Um, because she doesn't want to try to make old people cool on on TikTok, or because she doesn't no, have because time? that would that would mean that would mean she would have to put effort in, and she's just not really big on effort right now. Uh. Hence, why she didn't make it to. Well, she didn't make it to record. She was coming. She was the whole thing. The idea was that she was going to sing with her sister and with Allison on the song, <clears throat> but she also has agoraphobia now, so. She hasn't been out of the house in two months. Gotcha. And how old is Izzy now? She's 17. And she, she hasn't been out of the house since the sh last uh, high school shooting. The, Uval the, the Uvalde? The, the Uvalde, yeah, the, U the elementary school shooting. Now, had she returned to going to school in person before that? Yes. 
Yeah. They were under strict COVID rules. And she goes to like a charter school. Okay. Um, and so they have, they have slightly looser uh, regs as far as being there because they do, they do. Some of their people can't come because of health issues and stuff because it's for it's for kids with anxiety and and other other um issues yeah and uh and so it's it's optional to come but they encourage it and they're very you know it's got the open classroom and the and the happy room and ping pong tables and you know, all that kind of stuff where open floor plan, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then, and, and, but also a quiet room if you need to, if you have social anxiety disorder, which two or three of them do, um, you get your own quiet room to just go and chill out, you know, so that you can deal with the rest of the day, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's pretty cool, but being that they do everything, they always have something remote going. It's not a big deal for her to just camp out and and do everything in house, which can which is I think part of the problematic. But at the same time, otherwise she wasn't she just wasn't going to school. So so uh do you think she'll return into the classroom uh here in the fall when school gets get back going again uh, i hope so i hope so because she really needs that i mean I, you know you, i'm a firm believer in socialization um it seems, at some it seems point, like at it some might point be, she's got to go out and into the world so yeah it seems like it might be harder to get over your anxiety or, you know, learn, learn to live in the world with your anxiety if you don't go out in the world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's where, that's where the agoria, the agoraphobia comes from. It's just like, if, if you remain sheltered and you, that gets fed into at some point, just space itself, you not getting outside of those walls it becomes terrifying yeah hey uh we talked we were talking about smartless uh jason bateman one of the hosts is on the show ozark and uh i can't i can't remember how many texts you sent me seeing uh <laughs> it, you you seemed very excited for me to finally watch the fine the final episodes of ozark oh god i was so i was so into that show god and the last that last uh, the last half of the last season seemed like it took me forever to watch it because i kept getting interrupted and then i have to completely back it up because you can't if you bat an eyelash, you're going to miss something going on in the background that means something, you know, very important in the next 20 minutes. You know, yeah, so, there's a lot of little Easter eggs in that show. But <clears throat> the main thing was that just at the end with uh, with the little blonde hair girl, uh, that was just so uh, perfect. Uh, heart, kind of heartbreaking to lose her. It was. It was. But on the flip side, it was absolutely perfect i mean that was the thing a lot of people did not like that you know the ending of that show as they hate the ending of most shows and that's the main reason because we lost her but 
holy crap, that was her character 100%. There was nothing ever happy about that show. Like even no, even when there was they not had, a, there was not one person on it that you could actually like. <laughs> no, no, n- not one person. Although I don't know, maybe the uh, maybe the teenage daughter. She. I was going to say the son would be the closest, but he was a freak. He was, yeah. He had his issues, uh, and now he's a murderer. So uh, that was uh, that was come from season one. He popped that good first guy, Did but he? this one was straight oh, up. Yeah. I, this was straight up ice blood, ice cold, stone cold killer. Yeah, no, this was a conscious decision. I'm going to take this guy out. Yeah, yeah, not just. Yeah, nothing happy about that show. And uh, nope. I, I don't know. I, it was one of those shows that for me, each season, I was like, ah, am I going to watch this again? It seems to have, it's, it's trying, <laughs> it's going too far with this whole thing. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, it, it really could have been about. A season and a half. It really could have, yeah, because it just kept going. It kept going down the wormhole further and further, and then it would come out again. I mean, and you know, how many times? How many times in that last season did you go? Oh, it's done. Right. You know, it's like it's like oh, it's done. It's either done really. It you know everything ended awfully, or wow, after all that. A happy ending what you know yeah. and then all of a sudden it was not at all it's like wait a minute it's not even all the way through the episode let alone the season so speaking <laughs> of uh, so there's you know most like you said most shows don't have a wonderful final episode breaking bad i think is an exception to that rule it was pretty much the perfect last episode like i can't find fault in it in, in any way are you watching better call saul no, I didn't see Breaking Bad. So you never watched Breaking I've, Bad. No, uh-uh. I, uh, oh. I've, I've tried it a couple of times, but it's something that I need to, I don't know, be laid up for or something because I did. That's a, that's an Uber binge thing for me because just to follow it, you know, just to keep up with it and everything. So I, uh, I really need to dedicate myself to it, and I can't really do that right now actually i did dedicate myself to stranger things finally oh sweet where are you in stranger things season two. Oh man first very first part of season two yeah so uh right after this podcast we have a couple because i'm watching this with austin so oh that's so i'm so jealous of not of you know uh, i wish i was there to just watch it with you to see you watch it for the first it's so good <laughs> yeah i, I am it is. completely caught up just finished season four a couple weeks ago and Man, I mean, uh, there it somehow gets better each season. It's it's crazy. It's crazy good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just and and it's so, and it wraps up and it tells you, you know, it, as opposed to Ozark, which left would you know each episode would leave a lot of loose strings and loose wires. This one kind of wraps it up, you know, fairly tell you stuff better. I think that just the. The execution, I think, is is more straightforward, which it kind of has to be, being that it's a fantasy horror sci-fi period. You know, like it it hits so many levels. It does. Like it's easy to think of it as a fun period '80s comedy sort of piece, uh, which it, it, each season starts off with a, just a bunch of that. But then by the end of the season, we're not so worried about that because we have things like demogorgons to worry about. Uh, <laughs> 
and it to- it totally turns into a different show and now it's an action adventure horror fantasy show and it's yeah. I mean which is typically not my cup of tea but they rope you in so good that you actually care about stuff you don't normally care about which is what happened yeah. for me and and damn the cast just keeps getting better and better cuz you know they, they just introduced Sean Astin that's where I'm at yeah you know? yeah yeah it's like how much better about because it's a show about the 80s number one you got winona rider mm-hmm. matthew modine i mean really you know he yeah. is such a good evil dude uh just never put that on him you know evil in a in such a calm likable sort of way but there's this undercurrent of evil with him that you that you know you're gonna you're gonna get to see more of him in season four so oh good yeah yeah, because he's 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 the one that kind of it, just seeing him. It took me a minute to figure out, you know, because I saw him on the credits, and I'm like going, oh, okay, so I'll be looking for Matthew Modine, and it's like, and I'm and I'm watching. It took like two scenes, but you go, oh crap, that's right, he's older now. <laughs> <laughs> I keep the, I think when I see Matthew Matthew Modine, I think of him from that that bicycle movie, like where he was like a. Breaking away? No, it was like American Cyclist or something like that. I forget the name. American of it. Flyer. American Flyer, maybe. I think he was a. Uh, he was a. For, for me, it's Full Metal Jacket. I mean, oh well, well, there's that. Full Metal Jacket is pretty much the top for him. Yeah, but then Vincent D'Onofrio stole that from him. So right. And so let's let's talk music a little bit. Uh, we haven't been rehearsing here much the last few weeks, uh, months, uh, and I think a lot of that is my fault because I'm so busy and I've been rehearsing for Kinky Boots every Sunday and all of that. But it's also Brian's fault uh, because he doesn't even he goes incommunicado sometimes. Uh, and I know how bummed you get when we don't play music. Uh, are you playing music? yourself without us uh are you not playing music what is what is music doing for you right now uh i have started uh booking some solo shows um i figure i figure i need to embrace this because <laughs> <laughs> it was it was i mean it was it was making me insanely depressed and um that and and you know and the recording i'm trying to get stuff set so that i can actually give real good listens to the recordings and stuff and <clears throat> that was that was frustrating me and then not being able to you know play any it was and i was just gonna finally i was just like no i gotta i have to embrace this and let's you know i'm gonna go i'm just gonna do some stuff out here and in, in in uh palmyra and things <clears throat> And speaking of which, I might uh, I might try to bum that uh, bum that fold up PA from you. Oh yes, um, yeah, I can do that. But uh, yeah, just you know, so so that I can brace it. You know, I even told James I said we're kind of on hiatus right now until until Jr's done with uh, with the acting for this round this round of acting, and we just need I just need to compartmentalize it like that now and not uh, not get so stressed out. But it, it's still, it's still kind of, you know, I haven't, I haven't even set up my stuff or anything from, from recording. It's, it's all neatly packed in there, but we now have a pool table. So we did, we cleaned off the pool table oh. and 
actually have played a few games of pool and uh, that's been pretty nice nice so now band rehearsal can have some extracurricular activities while we're there that that sure would be nice if it wasn't the thing where we rush in rush through and rush out yeah but because uh, <laughs> we still need to watch that thing you do actually like, still think that that's a a critical a critical watching so i uh, uh so kiki boots for me will be over <laughs> in august i've got a couple vacations planned right after that um but i uh i don't see myself going out for another show in the fall there's no shows happening that i just feel like i have to be a part of uh so there's a show happening next year that I'm looking forward to auditioning for, but that will be like in spring of 2023. So yeah, I heard that. That was on your, on your podcast. I screamed a little bit when, but you know, Hey, I want to, I want to play, I want to play truth and truth and advertising. Yeah. (laughs) I want to play Audrey too, the plant in little shop of horrors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the play, man. That's the one. So good. That wasn't Rick Moranis. The, the movie, uh, the movie was yeah. Rick Moranis. Yeah, it was Rick Moranis. Okay, that's yeah. what I he played Seymour, the the main protagonist, and uh, Steve Martin played the dentist. But I remember Steve Martin. I've seen the movie. Yeah, I, I think I've seen a. I think I've seen a community a community play of it too. Kiki and I are heading up to New York next weekend to see three shows uh, in one weekend uh, and then come right back. We're going to train up on Friday. We're going to watch a show Friday night uh, and then two shows Saturday and then get the train back on Sunday. Wow. What all are you seeing? So the main reason we're going is because uh, her absolute favorite Broadway star is a guy named Ramin Karimlu, uh, who is... Uh, he's got an incredible voice. He's a great look. He's a great actor. Uh, according to Kiki, he's uh, beautiful. Uh, I get it. I can see that. You know, I, I would do him if I were gay. Uh, but uh, he's he's fantastic. And I had seen that he was going to be in this show, uh, Funny Girl, the, the show made famous by Barbara Streisand years mm-hmm. ago, right? Re, uh, they're redoing it, and he plays the the male lead. And are they modernizing it, or is it a straight straight up? No, they're pretty much keeping it as it was. They've made some subtle changes to adapt to the times, uh, Mm -hmm. but I I don't know exactly what they are. But for the most part, it's true to the original. And uh, yeah, so uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, rehashes going on right now and on Broadway and uh, what um, they were just talking about it on one of my other podcasts about a a a new uh, reboot where the some of the original cast is back hmm. playing the parents. Kind of like uh, West Side Story, the movie, the, one of the women that played, the woman that played, uh, I'm going to get it the wrong. Woman that, I forget which yeah. woman was in the original uh, movie. She played the main one, the, the not Rick, Rick um, shoot. <laughs> the Rick Moranis character, no. <laughs> <laughs> The girl in the striped shirt. Um, Maria? Maria, Maria. yeah, that's it. Maria. Yeah, she played Maria. Now she's playing uh, Maria's friend's mom. Yeah, that owns the uh, the business that they hang out in. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, see, I used to follow all this stuff. I was a, I was a, a, a thespian for a long, long time. But uh, wait, you were a thespian? Did you act in shows and stuff like that? Oh yeah, really? Oh, yeah. Even, tell tell I me even more. Made it a semi pro. Tell me I actually more. Got paid, I actually got paid to do it. <laughs> what? Uh, I got a fifty. What? I got a fifty dollars sheets gas card when I was in something rotten from the Wayne. So technically, I got. That's about paid, what so, I got. Yeah. So that, that no, makes I me got, a professional. No, I got cash because I also wrote the soundtrack for it. Ah. So, uh, now so I was got was I this got, in college? Was this after college? Where, when was this? This was right in the in that era. Yeah, it was um, the semi pro stuff was uh, a historical outdoor historical theater. And, uh, so it was, it was a, they, like the history of our, of, of the Southwest Virginia stuff. And it was, a it was, a one of those things where each person pays like three characters and I played like three or four characters and, uh, did, uh, did songs through the set changes and, and all that. So it mm. was, it was pretty cool. So I wrote I wrote about five songs for it and and uh, played about f- three I think three characters and it was uh, it was pretty cool so, it ran it ran for about two months. Wow! So there were songs in between the scenes, or were they musicals, or what? Couple? No, it was all it was all it was the it was like transition music. Okay, you know, it's yeah. like. You're setting up. You're you're like recapping the last one and setting up the next one, and then then um, there was a couple that was just like dueling banjos, kind of. You know, it's just like just mood mood stuff. Yeah, that's where I first started writing music was for theater. Um, mm-hmm. back in my eighth grade, eighth grade class. Yeah, in eighth grade, I wrote music for um, for readers theater. Where they would, you know, where they would literally—it was basically a read-through, but it was rehearsed, no blocking or anything. You would, you would take in one-act play, and uh, and you'd have one person, you know, per character, so that you know, because you can't, there's no costume changes or anything. So, yeah, and and uh, scene transitions or stuff were music. So, so I wrote, uh, I wrote soundtracks for those and and played them live while the while the show was going on man i already knew that you were incredibly smart and talented in so many different ways i think of you as a renaissance man and you've just added to that now uh <laughs> you've grown even more incredible in my mind uh i consider, oh, I, I consider myself honored to be part of your aura uh to be to be able <laughs> to be able to play music with you i mean I do so many things, but I'm like not trained to do any of them, uh, you know, and I didn't do them when I was young at all. Like I was worthless as a teenager, as far as, you know, going out there and doing things. I mean, I did a little bit of performing. Uh, I, I, I was in one play in high school. I played football, but other than that, I was laying on a couch watching TV or working in a mm-hmm. pizza joint. You know, I, I didn't have... See, we only had three channels back then, really only two where I grew up. So, I mean, TV just wasn't uh, worth it. <laughs> yeah, cable came out, went right at the wrong time for me. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, I didn't, I didn't use my formative years to form anything in the way of that. Uh, I, I, I got pretty lucky, uh, in getting the job I got because I've been able to make a pretty good career out of what I do. And it's just now within these last five, 10 years that I've been able to express myself with creativity and performance and all of that. And man, I wished I, I, I so wish I had been doing this all my life. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I mean, it was very rewarding. The, I mean, really and truly, the main reason that I dropped out of uh, out of theater was I ran into some bad, uh, just some bad experiences with the, with you know, at that next, at going up to that next level, you know, and the the, the nasty competition, and I'm not at that. I'm just not a big competitive person. And the competition, and I, I don't mind competition. I, you know, if I do well, I do well. If I don't, if I do my best, I'm good. I, you know, not a big deal. Uh, but when people were getting, we get nasty. We got nasty about it. You know, it's like I can't. You know, I'm just doing my thing, dude. You know, I mm. don't, don't. You know, don't hate me because I beat you for a freaking part. You know, that's yeah. just a starting to play for god's sakes you know don't you know get off of it man. and so at, at that point i was just kind of like well nah. but i got into i was big into it in high school yeah i mean uh did uh we did i don't know three things i wrote <clears throat> i wrote a play was that senior year we wrote a well it wasn't a play it was a saturday night live we a, did a skit? we did no, I, uh, it, we did an entire Saturday Night Live. Oh, from, got it. From musical opening to to close. I mean, it was, and we ran it exactly the same way. And this is, I mean, this is when, uh, this was done in 1977. So Saturday Night Live, but I've only been on, on for two years. Yeah. Saturday Night and, Live was born the same year I was, just so you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> 1974. Cool. Oh no, you were a year old. It was it was nineteen seventy five, November. I think November of seventy five. Oh, was it starting seventy five? Yeah, yeah. I, it's hard for me to remember back that far. Things were a little fuzzy for me. A little fuzzy then, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, I, I sort of got into this whole acting thing at the right time because I haven't experienced any of that like competition yet. Like the roles I've gone out for, there weren't many others going out for these roles, right? Yeah, that was pandemic-related you know, stuff. And I was, and I was, I was naive. You know, I, you know, I had never really. It really wasn't a competitive thing where I was either. You know, I was in a small town in in Southwest Virginia, so there wasn't a whole lot of competition. And if there anything, there was competition for people were pretty you know they're pretty easy going about it you know well you know yeah i'll do this other part i don't care you know whatever and uh but getting up at the you know at a thing where where you know a couple hundred people are auditioning for eight parts you know that's uh <laughs> and it wasn't a musical where they can you know oh well everyone else you're the chorus you know you're gonna do yeah. it too <laughs> Which, which, by the I'm, way, I'm sure, I'm sure that the, I'm sure that the community theaters around here would kill to have a hundred people show up to audition for stuff. Man. Well, so the two shows I went out for, Christmas Story and Something Rotten, 
again, hardly anybody there, nobody really to compete with me for the roles that I was going for. Uh, I just auditioned for Misery, which is more of a, you know, a straight play, not a musical, uh, mm -hmm. over at Shannon Arts. And I was pleasantly surprised to walk in, and there was probably 100 people there auditioning for three roles, two male roles and a female role. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and I was like, oh, crap. Like, I actually got a really, like... Compete. I gotta bring. There, there's I gotta other. Bring my game. There's other people here that are probably better than me. Uh, and they may have done this before. Yeah. So I, I did get a callback for that, and then I misread the date and I missed it, and I just didn't get the role because I didn't show up to the callback. That's. Uh, I think that was rule number one. That uh, yeah. Show that, up. <laughs> yeah. Show up. Yeah. Uh, there was confusion about the date, and I just misread an email. So it's my fault. I'm an idiot. But uh, that would have been nice, like to get that role just because. To just to know that I got the role, knowing that there was 20 or 30 other people going for the same role. Uh, and if if I had gotten it and if I hadn't gotten it, I would have been totally OK with that. Like I need to be turned down at some point to be like to to, to, to reset my mm -hmm. ego a little bit. So, yeah, because I, I mean, every so often I've. You know, it it tinkered in, like, especially when I was living in Charlottesville, it's like. There were several. There were several things available, and I'm like, man, maybe I should try that. And then I would meet some of the people from it, and they would be, you know, everybody would be really just awesome, awesome. And then they, then, but every time they go, but look out for such and so. <laughs> and I'm mm. like, oh no, 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 I am not. I'm not doing this. No. So, <laughs> in my third production now with two different community theaters. I have not met anybody that I don't think is a nice, awesome person. Like, no, that's awesome. That's that's the way it should be, especially with community theater, man. I mean, it's just like, yeah, you know, there's there's you know, any any egos that come in there should be left at the door. I mean, it's totally. just just like just like with music, man. It, it's like the egos. If the, as long as the egos stay at the door, I don't care what they do outside of the venue but once you'd cross into that venue the egos have to go have to they stay in the bus yeah and it just, as long as that happens everything is cool hey let's talk about the new songs uh that are okay. we've got working that we're working on so we recorded two songs can, can we do can we do one quick edit i kind of screwed up and and i ran out of drink already but it's just right next to me it'll literally be like two seconds yeah go man Do I edit this part out or do I keep talking to my audience while Gary's refreshing beverage? A refreshing beverage has been summoned. There we go. So uh, two new songs recorded, done. Uh, are, are we going to have to go back and re-record anything or add anything to them? Or did we capture everything we wanted to capture in that one day? He, uh, James has agreed to... Um, at no charge to us um put put it out with the missing parts <laughs> that he he neglected to put in the the mixes so that i can do the edits because um those all the synth stuff um if he doesn't if we don't edit it down then the mix is going to be horrifying so so he's going to do that we're going to listen to that 
So he sent us he sent us initial recordings, right? Uh, but did, were they missing your synth from your guitar? Like that wasn't in the recordings at all. Is that was that the right? Issue? It was not. It was not in it at all. Um, was that just like a simple oversight? He, yeah, he just left it muted. Yeah, okay. He, he was rushing around and doing stuff, and and he wanted to try to get that out before uh, before he left for his vacay, and um, and it was just a just an oversight but he was you know he was out so he couldn't put it he couldn't do it right then and when i when i sent him the, the cinema email i said you know i guess we'll just have to f fix the synth in the mix and and because i'm i was debating whether to go there and help mix it or or just let him mix it or send it to kevin mack or whatever you know i still don't have i think i'm gonna i'm gonna reach out to kevin mack tomorrow and see what kind of timeline that would be and what kind of cost that would be for him to do the mix and master but uh most likely it'll still be james keep it all in-house there and uh yeah yeah james doesn't he, he i think he would prefer to to outsource it from because every time we talk about it he's like well you know i can do it but but <laughs> uh, i don't think that i don't think that's his i don't think that's his happy place and uh and so and which is cool i mean that you know um because i remember i remember that kevin mack hated tracking he he hated tracking hmm. and he would let us know he would he would tell us you know he would put us through hell uh during tracking so he would like mixing and mastering that's what you know so each each person has their own thing you know and uh and i know i know i would not like to be a tracking engineer that's not a that's not that's that's i mean i got ocd but i don't have that much ocd that's a total ocd job you know you have to keep up with 32 things going on at one time right now <laughs> live yeah because we this is these two songs were mostly recorded just live uh, most of the parts right yeah the only uh the only overdubs we did um Shoot, we didn't even have to fix Brian. Brian's stuff was kicking <laughs> butt. Holy crap. I was like, that guy looked like Brian. Right. But man, he was playing. He was on. He was, because, you know, a lot of times he kind of, he's not hunting for it. He's just kind of, you know, playing, you know, and just, and just going. He gets, he goes out, you know, but man, he was, he was on it. And, um, He'd actually been working on, you know, actual bass lines, which is which was really cool. And uh, but yeah, we didn't have to punch him. We didn't punch. I don't think we punched anything. We just uh, did the vocals until my voice gave out, and and then the uh, the girls just said, "God, that's just beautiful." The the, the stuff that they do. The ferrets. The ferrets are just fantastic. We need to. We need to bring them along every time. So two songs, uh, Transparent. Let's talk about that one first. Uh, where did the idea for that song come up? From Izzy. She, she, you know, with all the stuff that we've done for, you know, uh, for the Black Lives Matter and, and uh, the protests there and for for the other social justice and everything, she, she just straight up said, hey, 
you don't have anything for the LGBTQ community. Why not? I'm like, I don't know, sweetheart. I don't know. I said, it just hasn't really rung a bell with me, but that put something in my heart that said, I need to do this. I need to, I need to do something for that, for her. And, and so I started writing it and, uh, and I took it over and I let her read the lyrics. I said, how does that sound? And, and she she was kind of embarrassed that I wrote this for her, but it's um, you know it, it then when I took because I took her the mix, you know I took mm-hmm. the I took the edit mix. I said you can't really no actually no I didn't I took the I took our the demo a recording we made at the in our the, at, yeah, at your house the, yeah yeah no I didn't take her the the uh, the the edit mix I took her the demo. And uh, and I took it in the lyrics because so you kind of wanted up. her approval before we proceeded with this, right? To see if it was kind of, kind of, sort of. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that it, that that we were, you know, that I was coming at it from the right direction. And um, because I just, I, you know, I wrote it kind of the same as they do the social justice songs. You know, it's uh, except I'm, you know, I don't know if you've noticed. The last several songs that I've written have been kind of happy. Yeah, yeah. Love will find a way is very, yeah. very much not what we're used to with uh, these dark, <laughs> moody things that you typically write about. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's almost like you are I'll, optimistic. A little I'll, bit. I'll get over it, man. I'm don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it can only last for so long. I'll get over it. Where has this newfound optimism of yours come from? I just, after listening to Small, he's listened to it for a few times, and I go, I I don't think I'd hire us to come and play any place, because you're just going to make people depressed, Mm. you know? uh, Even though, amazingly enough, when, you know, the people that reviewed reviewed it and everything, and they, you know, know, people are like, oh, I love, um, I love this song or that song, and it's so uplifting, and I'm like, are you listening to the same song? Did you, you definitely <laughs> haven't gone online and looked at the lyrics. You have not done that. <laughs> it's like, he gives me hope. And I'm like, okay, good. Huh. Thank you. And maybe, um, maybe there's, maybe they're thinking about Libertad where you're screaming about <laughs> Liberty at the end. Actually, that's the most depressing one. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so transparent comes from Izzy and uh, very much openly ad- addresses LGBTQ issues, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, well, just just give them a chance. You know, just stop. You know, stop being a dickhead. You know, stop being dickheads. You know, these are people. You know, it, it doesn't matter. They're people. Just like you know. Just like the other ones, just like the social justice ones. Hey, these people are, these are people. People are people, you know. They need, they need the same. It doesn't matter what their color or nationality or sexual orientation or any, none of that matters. As long as they're good people. The only thing that really pisses me off are these self-righteous bastards out there talking about this that and the other thing and they think that they are the quote-unquote good people and they're the self-righteous bastards so that's you know 
I don't know that, you know, hopefully we'll reach some people. I don't know. But that, uh, that would be I, cool. The the chorus, the U-B-U-B-U-B-U part of that, uh, it, it's such a simple phrase, right? But it it for me, it sort of encapsulates a lot of how I feel about people uh, that I've developed in the last five to ten years where since you've known me. Well, yeah, exactly. You're rubbing <laughs> off on me, buddy. <laughs> I think it's the thespianism. I, I think it's easier to be judgmental of people and not even necessarily for major issues like gender uh, identity and things like that, but just for people's opinions on stuff. And, you know, it's easy for, it was easy for me to think less of a person just because they thought a certain way. Uh, And it's definitely, you know, it's, it's, this song is emblematic of how I have changed. Like, I don't really judge people that way anymore. Uh, The only people that might still be worth judging that way are the people, like you said, the self-righteous assholes who are, uh, who are doing, who are actively against doing that themselves. Right. Like who are, uh, well, the big, the biggest issue is that they're trying to push their, their beliefs down everyone else's throat. And it's like, you know, I have, and, and, and I realized, I think, it was about two or three weeks ago because I used to be, I used to be that guy who would go around and go, I disagree with you, but I will fight to the death to defend your uh, ability to be disagreeable. I won't do that anymore. I won't. I, you know, it's gotten to the point of, it's not a disagree. It's like, we're on two different planes of thought. Well, and it's not just and, a different just, a different way of thinking or a disagreement anymore. It's so no. it's it's so much more than that because the way you feel is actually is actually harming other people or taking away their rights uh, and things like that. And that's that's when it becomes a problem. Those are the people that I can't just oh okay they feel differently than me and I can now accept them uh, and you know not judge yeah, them. Yeah, now I know how. Now I know how to accept them. You know, now I know how to. You know, I have to, I have to temper this or that and that's fine. I, you know, I don't have a problem tempering what I say or think or do around somebody. Uh, if they are, if they're a friend or an acquaintance or somebody I just met that I just know that has a different line of thought or a line of being, I, I got no problem, you know, uh, altering what I say or do. Because I that I call um, kindness, <laughs> you know. That's, right. That is, you know, that is respect. That you know is just that it seems like there's a huge, a huge um, part of our of our populace now that has no respect for anything. They swear up and down that they do, but their actions betray that completely. All right, so the other song was Love Will Find a Way. Well, where does this yeah. song come from? And and that was, um, well, I ripped off uh, Depeche Mode, number one. So we're going to get that out there right now. Um, and that was the Love Will Tear Us Apart was there. So it's, this is kind of an answer to to uh, Depeche Mode song from 1987 or mm. whatever. 
um love that song and i've always loved that song and but that the melody is not the same you know but it, you know it's it, to me i've i've ripped off several other songs uh over over my lifespan <laughs> and no one else could ever hear it but me so i guess i'm doing that the right way i don't know <laughs> but, interesting uh, yeah okay yeah, because one song I was like, the song from that I did in 1982, uh, I could have, I, I was like, man, this is a, this is a, I'm ripping off this Thompson Twins song. This is, you know, it's a poppy little ditty and uh, about a girl on a cocaine binge. But, you know, it was a poppy little ditty nonetheless. One of those happy songs um, you used to write. Yeah, well, those little happy songs. <laughs> uh, but I was like, man, you know, this is, uh, you know, the whole time I'm thinking Thompson Twins in my brain and, what comes out on record in 1986 was the didn't sound Thompson Twinsy at all, and no one ever even made the connection. And, uh, and even when I would tell them, uh. <laughs> they're like, uh, "No, it doesn't." I'm like, <laughs> "Okay," <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, cool." Um, but uh, but that you know it was it was uh, it was literally it was it was kind of an answer to that. That song literally changed the night before we recorded it. And that came from my other daughter. Um, so it kind of that change. Remember I said I sent I think I sent you all the lyrics for Yes to, to get uh, to get some to get you know, to get your get your thoughts, your thoughts and your thoughts and prayers. For the, for the for the nineteen more children we lost in Uvalde, right? That was yeah, the, that was yes, the inspiration for that change. More, yes, and because that 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 event really affected my older daughter. She's got a seven year old in school, and on a weekly basis, they do. Whereas when I grew up, we had duck and cover drills once a month in fear of a uh, nuclear holocaust like that would really help us in that well they have the same thing for school shooters but this is an actual this these could, are actually happening most like these are actually happening the whole our whole thing was was just it was like something to get us to do to remind us that hey even though we're not at war we're at war you know this new thing is literally survival and she is in tears every day that he comes home and she goes what'd you do today oh today was today was a uh, you know live shooter drill and you know it's like this is not the way a kid is supposed to fucking grow up this is not second grade stuff they should be learning to cursive write, which they don't do anymore. Instead of cursive writing, now they're learning to shield themselves with their bulletproof backpacks. You know, so I had to change that last verse to um, to document that, and uh, and that made it almost where I couldn't finish the song. So, um, but you guys said you wanted to keep it, so hey. Dude, that the uh, the emotional turmoil in your voice at the end of that song is uh, for it's for real and it comes through and yeah, none of us wanted to lose that so that's why that's I think that's our motivation for keeping that in the song, which I'm excited for people to hear uh, when it comes out. 
Yeah, I, I think I think we're only about a month or so away. Um, I just I put everything on slow track since it wasn't going to come out. I really wanted to get transparent out for June for Pride Month, but that just wasn't going to happen. Um, we just the scheduling just was not going to allow it. You know, if, if even if everything had had fallen into place like a Lego set, it would have been you know a tough pull. Um, but as usual, as in life, it does not fall uh, fall into place like a Lego set. So, um, so I just stood back and I'm like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a breather. We're gonna breathe and we're gonna look, you know, really look at it and and see it. And, and I, I'll be honest, man. The first the first listen, I was ready to quit. I was like, I no, this is not. <laughs> I'm done, you know. And then I was like going, you know, Allison sounds really good. I wonder if she would sing for us. <laughs> Cuz I I hated my voice. Is it, this the first this is the first post uh um post broken vocal session, so it took me a minute to get used to not having glass shards coming out of the speakers. Yeah, yeah, your voice has transformed multiple times since I've known you. Uh, you went from having that strong voice to having this sort of Tom Waits gravel uh, in your voice. And then was it like at a gig we were playing somewhere? But like, what happened? All of a sudden, you've got these melodic high notes that you haven't had for years. Oh, no, that was at rehearsal when we were doing it was we were doing uh, Creep. Over COVID, remember we were trying to put creep and yeah, um, Peep, the door song. People together. are strange. People are strange. We we're trying to mash Peep, those up. People and, are creeps. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden it's like, and I'm like, where'd that come from? And you're like, where'd that come from? And I'm like, I don't know. My voice is back. So when you say you heard the recordings for the first time and didn't 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 like them, it, that was a very different reaction to what I had when I heard the first recordings that James sent us after the after we were in the studio. It was the same recording. It was just I was listening to it on my phone, and and it was you know was not. That's why it took me so long. I had to get something. I had to get my my reference system set back up so I could actually listen to what was going on. And, uh, and after getting that done, I was like, ah, that's all right. <laughs> now these, these two songs are pretty great. I I'm pretty happy with how they turned out. Uh, and I, I loved the recording process this time. We didn't use a click track, which is the first time I've been in the studio where we didn't. No, we used it on the first song, not the second. We we opted to get rid of it. Or did we turn it off halfway through? I think we turned it off and never turned it back on for either song. Oh, uh, okay. I'm pretty sure. We definitely, at least one we of these songs. Were... I, didn't, I know we didn't use it for Love Will Find a Way, but I thought we used it for. Transparent. Uh, for Transparent, yeah. It felt very much like as much fun it is as it is to play these songs at rehearsal. It felt it felt very much like that as we were recording. Mm -hmm. And I think I think with transparent, I think he may have turned it off in the middle because either that or we were playing it so absolutely perfect that it didn't we couldn't hear it anymore. That's, and that's got to be it. Which leads me back to he probably turned it off. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but speaking of which, yeah, I just uh, I just watched the Wrecking Crew uh, movie again, and that is that's eye opening. It's really eye opening how how um, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, you know, he got tired of his brothers n- not taking so long to get everything right in the studio that he hired the wrecking wrecking crew to be the beach boys in the studio. So Mm. then they had to go and learn what these absolute badass players played (laughs) instead of, instead of coming it up and coming up with it themselves. They had to, they had to go and learn these incredible things that they, that the wrecking crew was doing uh, so they could go play it on tour. Oh, it's almost uh, it's almost meaner than, than yeah. making them. Yeah, it's like if you brought in a pro drummer and then made me figure out how to do the stuff that that guy's doing. We wouldn't be the same, man. We, somebody because I somebody asked me why we were on hiatus. I said, "Well, Jr.'s got some, he's doing some acting now, and and uh, you know, and so it's just better off if we don't try to counter book you know that." and everything because it's not it's just it's too complicated and they're like well why don't you get another drummer i'm like you number one you don't know me very well if you would think (laughs) i would do that and number two you know what you do on the drums are inherent to our sound it cannot be big or the band big or to be or to be fair to be fair without uh with without your distinct drumming i mean that's a major part of the whole thing now we could you know we could switch brian out tomorrow and it wouldn't make a big difference i you know that's i i did that was kind of the thing with modern logic we had eight bass players over 10 years you know only only two drummers uh but eight bass players and we swapped them out willy-nilly i mean we swapped them out without really losing any stride whatsoever but when we changed drummers we had to take a month off and rehearse 400 times a week you know to just to make sure that that was going to happen um and but in 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 this case you're what you do because of how you learned what you do is totally unique and and i i haven't really played with any other drummers since working with you otherwise played with scooter for a while um and i really like i like his i like what he does but it's it's so different um i mean he's more um he's more police type drumming um, right precision no, no, just light, you know, just like he's uh, more tinky, 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 you know, and, which I like that has, that has a good place. He hits, he hits hard, but it, it's very, he, he plays a lot more. Um, his drums are tuned higher and he, you know, he just, he, he, he has more, more syncopated stuff and, and more, more high, you know, weird shit on the hi hat and stuff like that. So, um, jazzy. Not necessarily, but no, because I get I, I can't play with jazzy. I can't play with jazz drummers. Jazz drummers drive me nuts. <laughs> they, want, they they completely drive me nuts. It's uh, they're fantastic for what they do, uh, but that's not what I do, and that's not it. This doesn't it, it doesn't work for me. 
you know so um i need i need that that big that that big drum sound and uh, yeah what i lack in finesse i'm trying to make up for in in <laughs> in sheer volume power right <laughs> I'm like that with a lot of things. When I go skiing, but, right? Like I don't have these beautiful carved curves going down the mountain. <laughs> I, I just go straight down the mountain as fast as I can. Uh, I'm not a polished skier. I can just do it and uh, and have a lot of fun doing it. And if I tried to do it other ways, it would just not be as much fun. Yeah. If I did that, there would just be this one big track of the snowball that I was <laughs> leaving as I was rolling down the hill so uh which of these two songs should become the the next theme song of three things with jr because i've used one of our songs uh, a different song each season right season one was picture this season two was brand new day season three is people so which one i think love will find a way probably i think love will find a way is the one i think that's that that feels right that's got more theme song in it although i was i was i've been tinkering around with just writing you a theme song i'm down uh a, a three things with jr theme song mm -hmm. is it just yeah. music or we got lyrics just you think yeah, yeah okay we might we might have a little shout out or something like that we could do the three two one thing have a different have a different little little theme for each uh each thing yeah thing. We, we can use with these little musical stings for when we go in and out of commercial breaks that are yeah that are actually recorded to be that right they yeah they although i tell you man um when when uh doing um oh shoot i can never remember my, my own songs um later today your favorite song uh, no um brand new day brand new day yeah brand new day that works so perfectly for the stings the going in and out of the interview and in and out of the commercial break yeah that was that was beautiful i mean that was just like wow because i was really impressed that you you were you picked that out and and did that because it was you know it just worked out worked out perfectly yeah, I think I liked that as the show's theme song better than I like what I'm doing with uh, with. I'm actually using people to open the show. And then you then you do later today later in the middle. Mm -hmm. That's a, it gets a little uh, to me. It's a little weird. I know no one else pays any attention to that stuff, but when I, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> Sorry, let's. Would it make sense to just use the same song? <laughs> there was just, I, I got in my brain something I wanted to do with later today, that part where you stop in the mm -hmm. chorus. And then I wanted to stop to be the before the commercial break and the when you come back in after the Actually, commercial break. Actually, coming back in after the commercial break should be the mayhem part. Yeah. <laughs> That would be, or maybe at the very end, that, that would be, actually, that would probably be the best one of the old songs uh, because of all the breaks, you know, you could have, you could, you know, it's it almost has, it almost has bits built right in. Right. But uh, definitely at the end, having that build up and the the chromatic, the chromatic mayhem going up and, and then da -da -da -da, goodbye. See ya. We're out of here. <laughs> uh, well, dude, well, thank you for being available on such short notice to celebrate 100 episodes of the show with me. 
Uh, this has been awesome, man. I was just because I was I was last week, and I'm like, holy crap, what happened? Where's the where's the hundred? I was looking for the hundredth, and I kept coming back to it. I'm like, ah, damn it, my my stupid, uh, I you know my stupid podcast thing's broken, and it's you know because every so often I'll you know miss one of the other podcasts I listen to, and I'm like, and I kept looking, I kept going back, and I went to the you know to the master list and, and not there. And I'm like, uh, okay. So he, he's just taking an extra week. That's okay. And, uh, then you, what, what it was this morning, right? It was said, Hey, can we do that this uh, evening? I hit you up yesterday. Or yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so as you can tell, I, my, my, uh, my time and space continuum doesn't work too well. <laughs> so um, what we missed in uh, Sunday, right? It is Sunday. Sunday yes. Uh, so what we didn't hit an episode last week, but this week we're getting three episodes. This, that's how this is going to shake out. Uh, it's going to be episode 100.1, 100.2. You're going to be in episode 100.3. They're Ooh. all, they're all dropping Tuesday this week. So, uh, you will have over three hours of three things with JR to listen to in three separate Sweet. installments. That's how we're celebrating episode number 100. Dang. You go girl. Yeah. This all came together this weekend, came together quite nicely. Uh, all three of my lead singers. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's crazy. That, what was really hilarious was when we were all there at the uh, at, at um, the Pale Blue Dot show, and it's like, oh, this is the, we used to play in Pale Blue Dot fan club. Yeah. You know? Hey, uh, I learned yesterday in talking to Tony, guess how many members there have been in Pale Blue Dot uh, as of today? As of today, <laughs> yeah, because it could change. Well, technically, uh, as of yesterday, it could be different 20, today. Twenty-seven. Oh, not 27. quite that many. Sixteen okay. total members 16. of Pale Blue Dot. Damn. And uh, it, for anybody that's listening did, to did this, did you remind him of how many members has been in? In uh, to be fair, we've had more names than members. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I love it. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> uh, when I uh, at the end of the uh, the Tony episode, uh, I I had recently uncovered a uh, couple of recordings of Pale Blue Dot that I made in my living room at my old house where we first rehearsed, where Pale Blue Dot was born. And uh, it was a recording that we had sent over to the studio so that Brian at the at Cat Room Studio knew what uh, you know what the song was supposed to sound like, etc. And uh, so I didn't tell Tony that I'm putting that song at the end of the show, uh, an original demo recording of one of those Pale Blue Dot songs. So, well, you live dangerously. I hope he doesn't mind. <laughs> I hope I don't get a call from Tony going, "Hey, what the hell." <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna say anything about that so yeah so uh, what i'm <laughs> what i'm what i'm not gonna put on the end of this show is the uh recordings that we got for these two most recent songs because they're missing the synth if they weren't missing yes. the synth i would maybe uh maybe put one of them on the end of this show but uh, yeah well they're totally unmixed too, yeah so. totally i would i would have explained that but yeah. but no, I don't want it out there until it's, until but yeah, it's it was what we want. Without the synth and 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 yeah, it was just um, that would be wrong. Right, It'd be wrong. Yeah, uh, I would rather. I mean, yeah, well, you you've played several of our of our uh, 
basement demo, you know, basement uh, practice tapes. But mostly I check with you guys first, most of the time. Well, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's why the, that's why it worries me about you doing that for Tony. <laughs> Uh, I'm probably we gonna, would like to play with them sometime. You I'm, know, so. I'm probably going to text him uh, tonight or tomorrow just to make sure he knows. Yeah, just, just cause. I mean, yeah. it's just, just, it's just the good thing to do, especially since this is going out to your thousands of listeners. Yes, yes, that's right. My thousands, my throngs of fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, you never can tell, man. They might pick us up. They might, you know, pick us up at uh, at Smartless. I doubt it. I was just trying to, you know, to come. <laughs> uh, just to wrap it right around. Yeah, just to bring it full circle all the way back to Smartless. Well, dude, thank you once again for doing this. Uh, I hope we get to yes, play music my, you together know I soon. Love to myself, so. <laughs> well, there you go. You got to you have to listen to Bobby and Tony first if you want to listen to everything in order. Well, you know I am. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. You're you're one of the. And I'll give you notes. I'll send notes. Don't worry. Please do. You're you're one of the faithful <laughs> listeners. You've been a, a listener since the beginning, and uh, I don't think you've missed an episode. And uh, I love it when you give me notes because it usually makes my podcast sound better. Uh, that's what I do, man. I I love. I mean, and I've <laughs> I've stopped listening to podcasts because of crappy sound. So I mean, as someone who listens to podcasts as much as eight hours a day um sonic quality is very important so all of you out there that are looking to do a podcast sonic quality is important recording it on your iphone doesn't cut it if you want me to listen to it except the fact that i'm on my iphone right now so Hopefully this sounds pretty good. And we're we're going to throw some compression on you, and we're going to yeah, you're, you're going to be fine. Hopefully, it doesn't sound like I'm in the cavernous second music room that I have. So right. Hey, are you going to come see Kinky Boots? Uh, it's pro- probably because you, you're running it for two weeks, right? Yeah, two weekends in the middle of August. So it's at about a month from now. We'll be right in the middle of Kinky Boots. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to try to do that. Yeah, the last one was just, it was just too much, too much going on for me. I really enjoyed you in, in the, uh, in the Christmas story. That was, uh, brought a tear to my heart, tear to my ha- eyes, uh, at the end, man. You, you killed it. Absolutely killed it. And I, and the Kinky Boots does, being that Cindy Lauper was on the, team that wrote it and everything that that also gives me a little more because it's not your traditional musical so no it uh that's those that's what i like i i've actually done a couple of musicals myself so i uh and the, that was wasn't by design <laughs> but it did them nonetheless well i like musicals like the blues brothers where oh, it's a musical well. but you really don't notice some are just plays with songs Right, yeah, exactly. That's, that, that's I've a, done a lot of those. That's a line I got to sing in Something Rotten, the show you missed, uh, where we where I sang about musicals and some some are just plays oh. with songs. Oh, I didn't miss it. I re- I watched that whole <laughs> the the whole uh, video that you sent the the uh, bootleg copy of uh, video that we're not allowed to take at the theater. 
<laughs> that you sent to me personally yeah, that you know it's not a public video on youtube don't ask me for it i'm not going to send it to you exactly <laughs> yeah because i burned it right after that good call good call it was on you know it was a hard copy on vhs which most of the kids out there actually no i think it was on betamax wasn't it I think betamax it was, yeah you good, good betamax, luck playing that betamax. everybody we degaussed it immediately <laughs> big old magnet viewing. and um Hey, I, I would suggest, and this is very serious, uh, bring Izzy, if you can get her to leave the house, right? Uh, bring Izzy to this show because it's very much uh, LGBTQ. Uh, it addresses a lot of issues with acceptance of people. Uh, and my character in, in specifically is, you know, starts off the show very closed-minded uh, mm -hmm. and finishes the show maybe with an epiphany. So... Uh, and there's uh oh that'd be cool there's a lot i mean although I'll, but I, I will warn you now um she wouldn't go shopping with me we were going shopping for her and she wouldn't go maybe so maybe the desire to see <laughs> uh lgbtq issues well no lgbtq issues dealt with in such a way right so openly so very much mm -hmm. you know overtly in this show uh Maybe that. Maybe that will be more important than her uh, fear of going outside. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. Work on it. Work on it, I'll man. Work on it. I'll I work on it. I will give you and her free tickets. Uh, so I mean, not that money was at any part of the uh, you know the the uh, roadblock for her going, but seriously, let her know that I think she would love this show. Awesome. Cool. I, I will do. All right, man. Well, I'll see you again to play music sometime soon. Thank you for being on my show. Hey, it's my pleasure, dude. Can't wait to hear it. All right, man. Check you later. Rock on. See you, dude. Bye. Bye. So that's it. Episode 100. Broken out into three parts. You made it. You're at the end. Thank you for being with me, for listening to this show, for uh, being a fan of Three Things with JR. Like I said earlier, please tell your friends about the show. I think it's a pretty fun hang, and uh, get them to check it out. Have them subscribe, like it, follow it, write comments, rate the rate the show, wherever you can do that. Uh, we ended the last two episodes with a song, right? We ended up with uh, with Bobby Sims and I playing Wicked Twisted Road in his uh, in his room at his house, and uh, Tony uh, playing uh, that's a Pale Blue Dot demo recording of Star Counter before it was ever recorded with me on the drums. It's one of the only recordings of that song, of any Pale Blue, so Pale Blue Dot song with me on it as the drummer. And uh, today we don't have a current Gary Hawthorne song to play, but not too long ago, Gary gave me a copy of an old album, a Modern Logic album called Tomorrow's Sun. Uh, came out in 1986, and uh, what you're hearing now is one of the songs from that album. It's a song that we've covered in the band Big, or to be fair, it's called Traces. It's on our album Small. If you want to check out what this song sounds like today, but uh, here's what it sounded like in 1986. By Modern Logic, this is Traces. Thought I saw you all alone in a crowded Yeah. 
want to I'll break it with my hand 